So thank you all for coming uh, to Govinda's Tucson, Hare Krishna Temple. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to talk about something that we hear a lot about. Uh, a lot of people talk about independence. You know, <clears throat> we want to be independent. It's kind of like the nature of most people that we get to know, isn't it? We've got this tendency, especially in the Western world in America, even more so. Uh, we want to be independent, you see. So, um, many people want to be spiritually independent. So, is this independence sometimes, this is my question for the day, uh, is it sometimes really dependence in disguise? Could that be? I want to be independent, but I wind, I wind up uh, dependent. So, uh, many people feel that I can do it. My, do we have any do-it-yourselfers here? Any, yeah? any mechanics that fix their own cars? You know, <clears throat> so people who doctor themselves. You know. We have uh, in America, I notice a lot of these Home Depots. It's for people who do it yourself. And I was thinking I could get rich if I started this spiritual depot. Where you, can, you could go do your, you know, do it yourself spiritual life. Nice. You know, you don't need any direction from anybody. You just go and do it. You see. Uh, so is it Mark Twain? <clears throat> I think it was Mark Twain. It was either Mark Twain or Samuel Clemens, one or the other. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that said that uh, someone who represents himself in a court of law has a fool for a client. That's famous. Really, I think it was Samuel Clemens that said that. Wasn't it? And, uh, and he's right. Uh, why then, why do we think we can be so independent spiritually? Don't we need the help of someone who can direct us? Don't we really need God? Are we independent from Him? We're trying to be independent. So uh, I'm just going to read a little bit and speak from the seventh chapter, 14th verse on this very subject. Is someone killing a bird out there? <laughs> I hope it's not on the menu. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Seventh chapter, 14th verse. I'm using a different Bhagavad Gita, so I don't have it marked. What does Krishna say about independence? Text 14. I'll chant the Sanskrit first and then read uh, the uh, English translation. After that, stop at any time that you have a question or a comment, okay? This isn't a, a lecture so much as a discussion. I want to hear what you, what you have to say. All right, so please do. <clears throat> Krishna says, Mamevaye prapadyate madhyam etam tarantite, which is a Sanskrit way of saying, This divine energy of mine, consisting of the three modes of material nature, is difficult to overcome. But those who have surrendered unto me can easily cross beyond it. You see? 
So uh, I'm going to read Shula Prabhupada's purport, but let's, let's see, what is Krishna saying here? This divine energy of mind consisting of the three modes of material nature. What are these three modes of material nature? What's, uh, what's one of them, Sean? Goodness. Mode of goodness. Okay. Um, what's another one? <clears throat> Mode of passion. passion. Okay. And the third one. What's the third one? Ignorance. Ignorance. Exactly. Goodness, passion, and ignorance. You see, these three modes dictate whatever we do, even though I think it's me doing it. I think that I'm making the decisions. But if I'm in the mode of passion, <clears throat> basically the mode of passion is described as someone who is, has desire, hot desire. I want, you see, I want fame, profit, adoration, distinction. I want, no, I need, I'm in the mode of passion. I want it, you see. Goodness means I want to be a good person. I'd like to help you, and I'd like to also you to help me. We can all help each other. That's more a mode of goodness. The mode of ignorance really does is lack of knowledge. You see, when we're in, uh, when our, our knowledge is covered. You see, lack of intelligence, lack of knowledge. You see, so the three modes of material nature dictate what we do, how we make decisions. It's not, uh, I think it's me, you see. Sometimes uh, I have my mind telling me to do things. The, the, the fortunate thing is I know I'm not my body. <clears throat> I'm an eternal spirit soul. If I'm not my body, I'm also not my mind. Well, how can that be? My mind tells me that I want this and I want... You know, when you go drink a beer on a hot day, you see, my mind is telling me that. So that means I want it. It doesn't. It means your mind, the mode that you're in is telling you, it's pushing you to do this or that. <clears throat> and because I don't know who I am, and I don't know my true identity, I think I want. So therefore, if someone's trying to tell me, no, no, you shouldn't do that, you know, well, that's not good for you, or it could cause you some difficulty. I think, you know, well, I'm independent from you. You see, I'm making my own decisions here. But I'm not. I'm really dependent on the modes of material nature. You see? We're dependent. Um, <clears throat> Tucson's not undifferent from any other place. Who fixes the roads here in Tucson? The government. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> if the roads were fixed, who would fix them? The government. We're dependent on the government for fix the roads. We're dependent on the government to protect us from an attack or, you see, we're dependent on the economy. We're dependent on our jobs. We're dependent on the weather. We're dependent on the rainfall. You see, we're dependent on so many things. It's not possible for us to puff ourselves up and make ourselves believe that I'm independent. It's just silly. It's childish. To, I, I can be independent. <coughs> the only independence I have is in my decision-making process, which is called um, 
my right to choose. I have free will. I can choose whether to go left or whether to go right. I can make, uh, I'm allowed by the forces of nature, by the Supreme Lord, to make uh, my own decisions, to have my own free will. I also have to suffer the consequences of my decisions, you see, or reap any benefits if I happen to luck out and make a good decision, you see. So, we are dependent all the way. So, uh, Krishna says, these three modes of material nature, it's difficult to overcome them. How can you get out of, how, how can you not be forced, in, how can you be independent of one of these modes? Huh? You have to get into the mode of pure goodness, which is not a material mode. Some people think that the mode of goodness is a spiritual mode. It's the step towards the true spiritual mode, which is pure goodness. What is pure goodness? Doing things for the benefit and as an offering to Krishna and the other living entities. You see, when I do think, when I'm in that mode of serving God and all other living entities, now I'm in the mode of pure goodness and I'm not subject to the modes of material nature. I'm not subject to the mode of passion. <coughs> And when I'm situated in such a way, then I can uh, stop myself from making a passionate decision or an ignorant decision. Or even, yes, a good decision. I make purely good decisions, which is far higher than the mode of goodness. Does that make any sense? Anybody have any discussion or questions so far? Krishna says, but those who have surrendered unto me, there we go with that word, Gosh, we all hate it, don't we? Surrender. Oh, no, God. That's why I wanted to be independent in the first place. I don't want to surrender. There he goes. He's making me surrender again. I don't want it. I want to be independent. But Krishna says, but if you surrender to me, you could easily cross beyond it. You could easily cross beyond the, 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 the modes that will entrap you if you don't surrender to Krishna. See? So you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve Krishna. Or you're going to serve the illusory energy. You know, if you think, well, I'm just going to serve myself. You're serving the illusory energy. You see? We're not going to be able to be independent. It's not possible. See? We're dependent. Uh, we are part and parcel of Krishna. We depend on the energy of Krishna. We couldn't exist without Krishna's energy. This light can't stay on without the electricity. It needs fuel. Our fuel is the Supreme Lord, you see. And he says, if you surrender unto me, then I'll make everything easy for you. You don't have to be subservient to the material energy, you see. Surrender. Uh, we were talking about this last night. <clears throat> Why does Krishna want you to surrender to him? Why can't we just call it a truce? <laughs> you know, like, hey Krishna, I'm okay and you're okay, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Why can't we do that? Why does Krishna, what is it, this? surrender, surrender? You go through Bhagavad Gita, <clears throat> it's almost every page Krishna says, for those who surrender unto me, I do that. surrender, surrender, surrender. Why? Does Krishna want us to surrender? 
Because, yes. One should be selfless. Exactly. We won't think of ourselves and our benefit. Exactly. So that once you surrender unto Him selflessly, He gets to do what He's been wanting to do. He surrenders to you. You see? Between people who love one another, they surrender to each other. If it's just a one-sided surrender, then it's not pure love. And Krishna is all about pure love. It's not a one-sided surrender. He wants you to surrender in loving, in a loving way. You know, <clears throat> now we think <clears throat> in the material concept of surrender, if you take away love, surrender seems really a terrible thing. It's what we it's what you do if your army gets beaten by somebody else's army. You have to surrender. You see? If there's a hostile takeover in your company, you have to surrender and so on. So it's, it's as a negative. <clears throat> Without love, surrender has a very negative connotation. We don't like it. Add love into the picture and surrender is sweet. You see? It's the sweetest. Without surrender, how can you have love? You see? I'm not talking about if you just say, I love that mountain or I love that... I'm talking about between two entities. You see? One serves one and one serves the other. Krishna is always serving us. He's just asking... Hey, remember me. Remember our relationship. Just remember me. I'm giving you everything. I've been serving you for eternity. I give you everything. I've given you everything you've ever desired. You wanted to be here right now. You wanted to be <coughs> in this particular place, in this human body. You had a desire for it. And Krishna has granted your desire. You see? So, uh, Krishna says, let's be reciprocal. I've served you always. I've given you everything. Anything that you can see or even anything you can imagine is supplied by the Supreme Lord. You see, we've been babied and spoiled by Him forever. So, let's return the favor. Let's put Him in the center and do some service for Him. Srila Prabhupada says in the purport, the Supreme Personality of Godhead has innumerable energies, and all these energies are divine. Although the living entities are part of His energies, and are therefore divine due to contact with material energy, their original superior power is covered. You see, you are godlike. You're part and parcel of Krishna. You see, if you analyze uh, do a chemical analysis on you, the soul, and on Krishna, you'd find it's exactly the same. It's the same DNA. You see? So, the difference is, when Krishna comes in contact with the material energy, he doesn't become illusioned. When we come in contact with the material energy, we become illusioned. So we're under illusion. We're making the mistake that I am this body. I'm forgetting that I'm spirit soul. I forget that I am eternal. So therefore, if I'm this human body, my word, I have so many worries. 
what if this happens? And what if I catch a disease? And what if I die? What if I get hit by a car? Oh, what if, what if, what if? You see, I have so many worries by the misidentification that I am this body. But when I properly identify myself as an eternal spirit soul, I don't have to worry about death, disease, old age. You see? Of course I could die. I will die. I've already have to deal with old age. You see? But it's not affecting me. <clears throat> when I have to give this body up, Krishna will give me another one. And whatever body he gives me, I just hope he keeps me uh, as his servant. I'm an eternal servant of Krishna. I always have been, and I always will be. So whatever. If he says, I want you to come back home, back to uh, Goloka Vrindavan, then no, that's very good. If he says, I want you to stay here and do this work, oh, that's very good. I've got all the time in the world. <laughs> I'm eternal. You see? When we can identify with that, it takes a big weight off of our shoulders. It also helps us when, when we lose a loved one. We lose a loved one. We realize, I'm an eternal living entity, so are you. It's like when, so, when we lose someone close to you, it's saying, my dear one, I'll see you later. It's not like, oh no, you're gone forever. The body's gone forever. But you and I are, are linked together. All of us <clears throat> are what they call soulmates. They make a big deal out of this. I want to find my soulmate. Many people are looking all over for their soulmate. Well, you're surrounded by soulmates. We're all soulmates. We're all eternal living entities. And we've all served the Supreme Lord for eternity, except for this brief stint we're doing in uh, the material world now, you see. So we're all soulmates. Every living entity is your soulmate. Anything that has life is akin to you, you see. And we know each other. We were together for eternity. So it takes a... We've had a long time to get acquainted. But for a brief period of time, we've been in this material world thinking we're a dog or a tree or sometimes we think we're a chicken. Sometimes we think we're a human being, you see. Now we're coming out of this illusion and we're realizing, hey, wait a minute, all of us have been together forever. We will be together forever. So therefore, when someone is passing, it's kind of like, I'll see you down the road. You know, I hate that I won't get to see you in this form and have this relationship with you tomorrow, but I'll see you later, and I know it. We both know that, you see. So that's spiritual thinking. Uh, material thinking is, oh my God, this is terrible, you see. Does that make any sense? So any questions or, or uh, discussion? Yes, sir. Um, I was just wondering, do you think that it's truly us that do the forgetting of our identity, or do you think it's, you know, at the core level we always know who we are, and perhaps it's just an ego conflict that kind of <coughs> this temporary, confined form of life that kind of takes over our consciousness? The answer to, to that is yes. Because <laughs> you've summed it up. It really is us. We forget. 
we've been over overcome by the material energy when we come in contact with this it's like uh, Superman you know Superman when he comes in contact with kryptonite he loses his superpowers you see what I mean so when we become and when we come in contact with the material energy we lose our superpowers we, we start identifying with that uh, material energy it's kind of like if I if, if you're in a human body and we put you out in a, in a field full of chickens, you start thinking you're a chicken. <laughs> you know? Why do you suppose we ever decided to do such a thing? We wanted independence. <laughs> I'm guilty is just like everybody else. I wanted independence from Krishna. I want to do it my way. You see? Enviousness. You see? We're wired and designed to be able to, to have a flaw. We're perfect living entities. But Krishna does not want robots that just love him all the time. For love to be pure and complete, you, the lover, have to have the ability to, well, to choose or to leave if you want to. Now there's really no place else to go and there's no one else to turn to but Krishna. But he doesn't want you to think that. He wants you to believe that if you don't like it here, you can go. You, you could say, look, I'm just going to leave. And Krishna says, okay. True love means I choose you. Not like, well, I don't have any choice. You know, if you're the only man in the village, and some girl tells you you're the ha most handsome man in town, that's, that's not much of a compliment. I'm the only guy in town, you see. So we have to have that ability to flaw so that we can say to Krishna, I want to see if I can find something as good, if not better than you. Actually, I'd kind of like to be you. I think I can do your job. Some people, you know, they think, well, if I was president for a week, I could straighten this whole thing out. You know? If I was mayor, I could straighten Tucson out or whatever, you know. People do it in their companies. If I was president of this company, I'd have things straightened out. And we all think like that. It's our nature. So we think, you know, you know, if I was you, Krishna, I could be just as great as you. Krishna says, really? Would you like to try? Well, sure. All right, off you go. I have a whole world. Go down there and go be God. But warning, there's a whole bunch of other living entities there, and they want to be God too. You know, they all think they're the center of attention. Just like you want to be the center of attention. We want to take God out of the center of attention and put me in his place. And Krishna doesn't say, all right, you know, I'm going to put you in hellfire and damnation. I'm going to. I'm going to broil you for eternity. Not like that. He says, oh, okay. Let's give it a shot. I'll prepare a world for you. A whole cosmos. And if that doesn't work for you, I'll change it any way that needs to be changed so you can be accommodated, so you can try to be the center of the universe before anybody else of the other unlimited living entities before they get to be the center of, of, of the universe. You see, there's, 
the nature of the material world is competition. You know, I listen to people uh, as I walk, sometimes, uh, a lot of times I go out dressed in street clothing. <clears throat> because I want when I go on my walk, and I like to listen to people uh, and observe. And I hear people, they're really com competing. You know, they say, oh, little Mary's going to go to Harvard. Oh, well, little Bobby's going to Oxford. You know, the one-upsmanship. <clears throat> I, can, I can top you. No matter what you say, I can think of something, some comeback to either equal to or beat what you just said. It's the nature of uh, we living entities that are conditioned by the three modes. You see, it's our conditioning. We're thinking we're independent, but we're dependent. We're being we're being led like um, puppets by the three modes. You see, best to surrender to Krishna. We surrender to Krishna. Krishna surrenders to us. The love affair goes on. You see. Why doesn't Krishna stop us when we when we want to leave? <clears throat> We're at his lotus feet. Why doesn't he stop us? Is there an eternal living entity? There's no time limit here. You're not going to die. There's no such thing as time in, in eternity. You see. And Krishna knows that he's Krishna. He knows he's the most attractive, the most wonderful, the sweetest. And he knows you're going to leave me, but you're going to wind up right back here. You'll be back. I know it. There's nothing like me. So off you go. Have a good trip. And I'm going, I'm going to sneak along with you just to observe because I love you and I can't bear being away from you. One difference between us and Krishna we can bear walking out on him. He can't bear us walking out on him. So he comes along as Paramatma, super soul. Paramatma is with us in the heart. When, when the yogis talk of looking within and finding uh, the supreme within, that's Paramatma, Paramatma realization. You see, Krishna can't bear us to leave him. We, on the other hand, we feel that we can. We're a little colder in the heart than he is. You see? Does that make any sense? Anything else? Good question. It always takes bravery to ask a question in front of a group. So many nice spiritually minded people here. It takes courage, you know. Thank you. Makes for good discussion, too. Anybody else? Yes, Sean. Since we were so assured we knew what we were doing when we left the, um, the ethereal world and we were sent forth to do as we will, um, by what process then, can, if we have this desire for Krishna, can we, can we go back just as soon? Yeah, yeah. What is it that governs, that governs our decisions more than anything at all? Anything and everything. Lust. Lust sometimes makes us do things as if we were forced to do it because of our lust. So there's nothing wrong with 
lust. There is spiritual lust. Spiritual lust is uh, when we lust to serve Krishna. We lust to please Krishna and lust to please Krishna's devotees, the other living entities. Anusilyana is the Sanskrit word for that. It's pure. I'm lusty to please Krishna. When I turn that on myself and I'm lusting to please myself, now I'm going the opposite way away from Krishna, you see. So it's brought me here. It's got me into this material world. And my lust has been beating me up for millions and billions of births. So all I have to do is turn around. Turn my lust to serving Krishna and Guru. And the, the, the assembled devotees and all living entities. And now, suddenly, I'm free. And now, I'm independent of the material nature. I'm back dependent on Krishna. My love for him and his love for me. You see. All I have to do is change the object of my lust. My lust isn't going to go anywhere. It's going to stay. My burning desire will always be there. But when I make Krishna the object and his, his uh, pleasure the object of my lust and, and serving all living entities, when that's the object of my lust, then I'm free. I'm independent from the, the pangs of material existence. So, all right, we've run out of time. Thank you all so very much. Thank you.